You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, The Ugly Duckling, Part 2. Enjoy. Well, you know, my wife and I were talking uh, last night how you long for fellowship with people of like precious faith. The people who are believing God and grabbing a hold of His promises. And I'll tell you, there is nothing like it to be with people who are trusting in God for everything. <laughs> it's so good. And boy, we drive to California every week if we had to, to get that, you know? And God is building that here. Yes. And we are so grateful for what he's doing right here. Hallelujah. God, you're so good. Hallelujah. Well, let's pray. Father, we bless you this morning. And we thank you for new life. Thank you for new life. Unstoppable life. 24-7. Can't quit life. Thank you, Lord God, for your life flowing through us, reigning in our lives. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that is right now giving life to our mortal bodies. The resurrection life that, that raised your son from the dead. We thank you for it, Father, for our bones and joints strong this morning, being quickened right now. Our respiratory system, our nervous system, our circulatory system. We thank you for strong immune systems. We thank you. It's your resurrection life residing in us. And we thank you for it, Father. You have made us more than conquerors, champions in your son's name. And we reign in life through him. We've received the abundance of your grace and the gift of your righteousness. And we thank you that every Sunday, Lord, at every get-together, every time we fellowship, you're revealing more of yourself to us. And we thank you right now for revealing yourself through your word and by your spirit to us this morning. When we leave here today, we're leaving here different than when we came in because of your amazing grace and your mighty spirit in us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, last week was Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, and we, we celebrate the resurrection every day, don't we? Yes, yes. But last week we we, we learned that even though the resurrection took place almost 2,000, a couple millennia ago, right, that nothing could be more relevant to your life today in 2015 than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why is that? Because he did what he did for you. So that today, on April 12th, you could live a resurrection life, a new kind of life. And we, we started a, spe a special message last Sunday uh, in celebrating the resurrection called The Ugly Duckling. And we're going to continue with that. There's some more stuff that I, I believe the Lord wants to, to quicken and strengthen us with some more, more of who he is. He wants to unveil who you are in him more. So we're just going to keep on going. Um, we learned that, that Jesus was an ugly duckling, wasn't he? The son of man, he called himself 84 times in the Gospels. 
And that like the ugly duckling, he was despised. He was rejected. In Philippians chapter 2, we went there last week, we won't go there again, but verses 6 through 8 tell us that, that, that Jesus, the Amplified says, stripped himself of his privileges and dignity. Moffat says he emptied himself. So he emptied himself of his godliness, his power, and his glory, and he came to earth as a man. And Isaiah 53 verse 2 says that there was nothing about his physical appearance that would attract us to him. That Jesus looked just like any other man walking down the street when he came to earth and during his ministry. The reason people swarmed around him is because he had this vibrant relationship with God as his father. That was the difference. He knew his father and he knew what his father had called him to do. And he learned that, we see in Luke chapter 2, which we, we, we've read a few days ago in our Bible reading plan. We learned that, that he studied the Scriptures as a, as, at the age of 12, as a boy and as a young man. And he grew to understand God's purpose for his life. And that's what we do. Hallelujah. So Jesus was not only despised and rejected, he was accused of things he never did. He was arrested for something he didn't do. He was convicted, condemned. He, Isaiah says he was marred more than any man. Wow. And he was nailed to a cross. And he actually died. And his spirit was separated from God the Father's spirit. Like never before. For the only time in all of history, Jesus died as our substitute. So we talked last Sunday mostly about Jesus, the Son of Man, but there's another ugly duckling we want to talk about, and that's you. All right? So Jesus died as our substitute, but he rose as our elder brother. I'm an ugly duckling too, so that wasn't an insult. <laughs> he rose as our elder brother. In other words, Jesus was made alive so that you could be made alive. He was made new so that you could be made new. Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 3, he said that in order to experience the kingdom of God, in order to taste and enjoy and experience the abundant life that I came to give you, you must be born again. And he wasn't talking about a physical birth. That's not possible to become a baby physically again. He was talking about a spiritual resurrection yes. inside of you. Yes. Not in heaven, now. Yes. So when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, you may not have realized it, but a resurrection took place inside of you. Prior to faith in Christ, our spirit was dead and separated from God. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the same Holy Spirit that made him new in the grave makes you new. All right? In fact, uh, Acts chapter 13, verse 33. All of us need a resurrection. All of us need uh, the power of of God abiding and residing inside of us. So Jesus, he's separated from his father. 
And there are some Christians that argue over this. They don't believe Jesus really died. They say, you can't say that. You can't say that Jesus was separated from God. He could, he could never be. Well, that's what happened. That's what the scriptures teach. That literally on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was made sin. The Bible teaches that. That's not like a, a theoretical. God made him sin. And God turned his back on his son. He had to turn away from him. He had to let him go to hell. If Jesus didn't die spiritually, we have no hope. We have no hope. Because <laughs> we, we can't be made alive spiritually then. His spirit descended into hell and endured the full judgment of the wrath of God for our sins. But on the third day, see, he went there not, not because of what he did, but because of what we did, so death couldn't hold him. And on the third day, it says in Acts chapter 13, verse 33, God said to him, God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus, as it is also written in the second psalm, you are my son. This day have I begotten you. What does begotten mean? Here's a definition of beget, begat, beget, begotten. <laughs> to bring a child into existence by the process of reproduction. Right from the dictionary. This day I have begotten you, he said to Jesus. To bring a child into existence by the process of reproduction. To father. To bring into the world. To give life to. To bring into being. Now, death doesn't mean you cease to exist. That's why some people say Jesus never died. He didn't cease to exist. Death is separation from God. That's what death is, okay? So he said, on this day, I father you. I give new life to you. On this day, I, I make you my son. Jesus was born again. Did you know that? He died, and if he wasn't born again, he couldn't have, he couldn't have rose. This is just, just basic Bible here, but it, it's sometimes shocking because a lot of people don't think of Jesus in that way. So God looked at Jesus on the third day. He spoke his faith-filled words and said, on this day, you are now born of me. You were made sin on Friday, but I'm giving you life on Sunday. All right? Romans 8.29 said that God did this, that Jesus might be the firstborn among many brethren. All right? So Jesus was the firstborn from among the dead, but he wasn't the last. <laughs> he wasn't the last. Hmm. You do understand he died, right? Let's spend another moment on that. Because boy, religion can't handle what God has done can't compute. Literally, Jesus was, was separated from his Father. He was made your sin for three days. He was reborn. See? Now, the Son of God, the, the beginning and the end never, he was forever. But he came to earth as a man, and as the Son of Man, he separated from his Father and was born again. And in the same way, God has spoken his word to you 
and given you new life in the same way. Let's go to 1 Peter. Look at this. 1 Peter chapter 1. Now we're talking about the, the ugly duckling, me and you, you and me. 1 Peter chapter 1, starting verse 18. For as much as ye know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for who? For you, right? Who by him do believe in God that raised him from the dead and gave him glory. Why did he do that? That your faith and confidence, that's what hope is, might be in God. Verse 23, talking about us now. Being born again, just like Jesus was on the third day, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. No one can change and take away this new life that God has given you. It doesn't get rusty. It doesn't wear out. Right? It's a lifetime guarantee. But incorruptible by how? By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. See, God gave you his word so that the real you could come to life. Until you've put your faith in the promises of God, you haven't discovered the real you. The real you hasn't come to life yet. You can exist on planet earth for 75 years and never discover the real you. See, just like Jesus was dead in hell, we're separated from God. If I haven't put my faith in Jesus Christ, I don't know who I am. When I put my faith in him, the person I was made to be comes alive. And as I continue putting my faith in the promises of God, the person I'm made to be is unveiled more and more and more each day. What was it that set the ugly duckling free? Do you remember? It was his reflection in the water. Remember the story from last week? It was his reflection in the water. The truth is you're not an ugly duckling, but God made you to be his very own child. And we want the beautiful person that you really are to be free. So the ugly duckling was set free by simply looking in the water and seeing his own reflection. And it was the truth about who he really was that set the swan free that was trapped inside of him underneath this wrong image that he had of himself. Here's the big question. Where did the wrong image that the ugly duckling had of himself come from? In the story, if you remember the story. Where did it come from? Yeah, yeah. 
Sure, the other, the other animals criticized him. Right? They, they, they called him the ugliest duckling they'd ever seen. And they called him names because he was different than what they knew. They lived in the barnyard. They'd never seen a swan. You don't see swans in barnyards. Right? He was different than their tradition. He was different than their religion. That's why they, some pe- people couldn't handle Jesus. Some people loved him because they knew he was the answer and the way, the truth, and the life. But those people that were holding on to their tradition had a hard time with him because he was so radically different. He was life. Now, here's what I want you to know. The wrong image that the ugly duckling had, that the swan had, that was trapping him, making him think he was something he was not, it didn't come from what others said about him. It was formed in him because he believed what others said about him. When they were calling him names, he could have said, it's just to himself, it's all right, they, don't, they just don't know. They don't understand. They're ignorant, and they were. They were very, they didn't even know who he was, right? He could have just let what they said kind of roll off his back like water. But instead, he believed what others said about him. And when we we'll put our faith in words, no matter whose words they are, it forms an image inside of us. And the more you believe those words, the more that image grows. So here we are putting our faith in Jesus Christ and changing the way we think and and making his promises the foundation of our lives. And what ends up happening as we do this, the beautiful person that God made you to be is unveiled and set free. And you become strong in who you really are. And so many people are searching for answers and trying to figure out what what they're on earth for and who they really are. And the answer is found through Christ, through simple faith in the Word of God. Now, this is amazing. New life, living the life that God has called us to live. Let's shine a light right now on one of the um, most unrecognized thieves in America, insecurity. Nothing will build an ugly duckling image inside of you more than insecurity and fear, his cousin, and anxiety, his great aunt, right? And I don't want us ever to confuse insecurity with humility. Uh, humility comes, I, I believe the Latin word comes from ground or of the earth. And what, what did God make Adam's body of the earth? Humility is simply recognizing he's the creator, I'm the creation. <laughs> that he made me and that I can do nothing apart from him. He's my source and my center, my all in all. That's what humility is. Insecurity is very different. Insecurity is uh, being afraid Insecurity is expecting negative things to happen because of who you think you are. 
And insecurity, what it will do, the way it robs from you, is someone will say something to you, and you will interpret what they say through this insecurity. And they may be insulting you, or they may not be, but you'll hear it differently because you're insecure. And in order to be the people God's called us to be, I really felt the Lord impressed me to spend some time shining light on insecurity. Second okay. Timothy verse, chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. One version says timidity. What does timidity mean? Being timid. You know, it actually comes from the Latin verb timere, which means to fear. It's a verb. God has not given us the spirit of fear. God has not made us to act upon fear. But he's given us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what is, what is, what is uh, insecurity? It's being uncertain about your future. It's being uncertain about the gifts that are inside of you. It's being uncertain about the things that God is doing in your life. It's, 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 the, the dictionary defines it as anxiety about oneself, self-doubt, defenselessness. How about that? It's right from the dictionary. So this thief gains access into our lives by what we choose to believe about ourselves. And we've all had things said about us that shouldn't have been said. So our image of ourselves comes from the words that we have accepted. Could be from a movie, could be from a book, could be from an aunt, could be from a parent, could be from a sibling the words that we've believed about ourselves. And everything in your life will change when you discard what others in the barnyard have said and you begin to accept what he says about you. And you'll discover that you're a beautiful creation of God, one of a kind, and he has a great purpose for your life. Have you ever wondered why God forbid his people to be involved with sorcery and, and fortune tellers and astrology and all of those things? Well, one of the reasons, there's a number of reasons, but I remember as a kid, we'd go to fairs. They'd have town, we, uh, county fairs where I grew up in western Pennsylvania. And I loved the French fries. They had these, put this vinegar on them. They had these potato fries. But they had these, some, there'd be all kinds of tents and animals. But I remember there was a, a tent of a fortune teller. You know, me and my friends were there said, let's go in, you know, that'd be fun. And it was dark in there, you know, and I didn't know anything about Jesus or the Bible. And uh, I just remember, even as I'm telling you about how, how I felt in there, not knowing anything, right. I just felt a darkness. Right. And I remember the look in the woman's eyes. I must have been, I don't know, 13, 14 years old, not knowing anything. And I just thought, this is very strange. Totally innocent, you know, not knowing what I'm doing. But what happens is, see, Satan wants to speak words over your life. What's your horoscope? You'd be amazed at how many believers go to horoscopes to get insight into their future. What is a horoscope? Words spoken over your life. 
Do you accept that? I hope not. People calling a fortune hotline. What are they looking for? They're looking for words to be spoken over them, but they're going to the wrong place. We need words spoken over us that unveil who we are in him, that unveil God's purpose to us, that unveil our giftings and the things that God's put inside of us. And the only place you can find the right words is in relationship with the one who made you. All right? So our eyes need to be open to who we really are in Christ. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. And, and be mindful, you know, Satan is very crafty. And oftentimes you'll read a horoscope or, or someone, you know, I, I, I've got a, a bunch of friends on Facebook. And I, I, that, that just, I use Facebook as a tool to get the word out. I don't even know most of the people <laughs> that are my friends on there. So friends is a quote in quote word. In other words, if I get an invite from someone, I'll, I'll look and say, is this an opportunity to share the word? Because I'll post usually a scripture a day or something. So I just use it as a tool. I don't really go on it that often. But anyway, I noticed one point, this person that I'm friends with is a, uh, a seer, seer, uh, uh, like a fortune teller, uh, a, a self-proclaimed prophet. I thought, isn't this interesting? And she's seeing the word on my page every day. You know, now I say friends, I've never talked to her. I don't know her, but she's connected to my page. Okay. And I think that's a great thing because, because she's, she's going to get the word. And I, as I started praying for her, I said, open her eyes, father. But this is the best prayer in Ephesians chapter one. One of the best prayers you could ever pray for yourself or anyone else. Verse 17. Here's the prayer that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Remember what I was going to say, that when you talk to someone like that or when you read a horoscope, sometime there will be some traces of truth in there, like bait, right. you know? Right. Like people will, will go talk about, they'll go to someone because they want to talk to their dead relative. This happens regularly. And I actually went to this woman's wall and started reading some of her interaction with people. That's what they're talking about, talking to their dead relatives. You see, uh, spirits, angels, fallen demons have been around for a lot longer than man has. And they follow people around. So you might have, you know, great uncle Johnny who died in 1972. And there is a spirit that traced him and followed him. So you'll go to a fortune teller, and they'll, they'll start interceding, trying to get a hold of Uncle Johnny, but Uncle Johnny can't speak to you. But that spirit who followed Uncle Johnny around for 50 years can. And he'll tell you Uncle Johnny's uh, pants he wore, his favorite soup that he drank, and, he'll tell, and, all, and you're there, wow, this is real. See, Satan's crafty. We learn in the scriptures that once someone leaves, once someone's spirit leaves the body, unless they're resurrected through faith, right, there is a, they cannot come back. They cannot speak to you. It's, it's absolutely uh, not possible. All right? So there are people looking for supernatural experiences, and there are demons willing to oblige you. And they'll come as angels of light. We want the words of Jesus reigning over our heart, and, and we want his promises to build our expectation for our future days. 
Verse 18 in Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read this to you out of the Amplified. You can see it on the screen. By having the eyes of your heart flooded with light so that you can know. That's the opposite of insecurity. If you're insecure, you're not sure. You don't know. So that you can know, so that you can be secure on April 12th in 2015. What makes us secure? The light of Christ in our hearts. So that you can be secure, so that you can know and understand the hope, the confidence to which he has called you. God has called you to a confidence that is not of this world. And how rich, so that you can know, you can be sure of, you can understand the confident life he's called you to, and and you can know and understand and be sure of how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints, his set-apart ones. Verse 19, and so that you can know, be sure of, have no doubt about, and understand so that you can understand and move in this thing, so that you can work and apply what he's done in your life. The immeasurable, the unlimited, the surpassing greatness of his power. Where is his power? In you. In and for us who believe, as demonstrated in the working of of his mighty strength, verse 20, which he brought about in Christ on the third day. Right? When he raised him from the dead, God wanted to do the same thing in your life that he did in his son's life on on Easter Sunday. When he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, he was as low as you could go, and by the power of God's word, he became elevated to the highest position of all far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. That's what the word of God does. It takes us from the lowest of places and it brings us to the highest of places in every area of our lives. Do not let your past be your expectation for the future. Don't let what you've been through set any standards in your life. Let his promises, come on, We're going somewhere in 2015 where we've never been before. We're experiencing more of his glory, more of of who he is, more of his provision, more of his life, more of his love, more of his joy, more of his fellowship than ever before. Our past is behind us. We're not looking back. We're going forward. We're not looking around us to see who's coming. We're going forward. It's too good. We can't miss this. God, you're awesome. Hallelujah. 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 So God wants us to know and understand the beautiful person, the fearfully and wonderfully made person that you are, that you're not an ugly duckling, that you're handcrafted by him, custom made, his workmanship. He wants you to know and understand. Jesus said in John 7, 24, He said, judge not according to the appearance. Judge not according to tradition, according to man's philosophies, but judge righteous judgment. So we don't judge by outward appearance 
We don't look at something that we think is a duck and, and it's really a swan. We don't look at people and criticize them because they, they're not outwardly what we think they should be. We look inside. We believe the best of other people. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. See, when you look in the mirror, see who you are in him. Think of yourself differently. 2 Corinthians 5. God's word is a mirror, isn't it? Verse 14. Here we go. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, therefore all died, and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, We regard no one from a worldly point of view. No one is an ugly duckling to us, right? We don't criticize people. We don't put them down. We don't insult. Off our tongue rolls blessing, right? Hallelujah. We regard no one from a worldly point of view, not even ourselves, right? We have a different perspective now. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Verse 17, therefore... If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Not he's going to be, he is. That's a a today fact. That's a today reality. He is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation to tell people they're not ugly ducklings, that God loves them and gave his son for them and that through faith in him they become new creations, new people, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. 20, we are, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. So we've learned that we're new creations. This is who we really are. We're Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled, be brought back together in relationship with God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now the image of ourselves has just changed, right? We learned three things about ourselves. When you look in the mirror today, right, and you're you're getting in your car, you're adjusting your rearview mirror, you're looking at a new creation, you're looking at an ambassador of Christ, you're looking at the righteousness of God. Three things you should know about yourself. Right? You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. It's not based on your past. It's based on what he did. All right? You're a new creation. You're an ambassador of Christ. And I had the privilege as a musician and being in the military playing for different uh, dignitaries and ambassadors when you, you meet an ambassador, there's something different about them. They walk differently. There's, a, there's an aura about them because they know they're representing something greater, much greater than themselves. So when you look in the rearview mirror before you leave today and you're pulling out, you're looking at an ambassador of Jesus Christ. See, insecurity goes, doesn't it? 
Right? Yes, amen. I never, I, I had a privilege of meeting a number of different ambassadors, I, and they were not insecure people. They were bold, confident people. Hallelujah. And you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. So what are we doing? We're, words are being spoken over you. See? And we need to hear the truth about who we really are so we can believe it. See, as we hear the truth about who we are, our eyes are open to the goodness of God and to who he made us to be. See, the Holy Spirit will lead you beside the still waters of God's word. Because in the still waters of his word, we see the reflection of who we are. Two more scriptures. Psalm 139, verse 14. This is one you should know well. This will change your image forever. And I love this. The psalmist is expressing his gratitude to the Lord. And he says, I will praise you. Why? For I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And here's the most important part of this verse. And that my soul knows I am sure. I am certain that I am made by you. I know this very well. My soul knows this. My soul is certain of this. My soul is sure that I'm a new creation, that I'm your ambassador in the earth, that I am your righteousness, that you have called me blameless, that you have made me free, that you have made me new. My soul knows this very well. Does your soul know this? Spend some time today and during the week meditating on 139, 14, Psalm 139 and 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. Meditate on who you are. Look in the mirror and let your image change. Last scripture, Ephesians 2.10. This is you. Are you ready? Amplified translation. For we are God's own handiwork. His workmanship recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the what life? The good life, which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. So we know that we're new creations in Christ Jesus. We're not ugly ducklings, right? We're new creations in Christ Jesus. We're Christ's ambassadors. We're the righteousness of God. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. We're a marvelous work of God. We're God's own handiwork. We're his workmanship. We're recreated in Christ Jesus. We're born anew that we might do and live the good life that he has prepared for us. Amen. We're out of time. We're going to continue. Yes, amen. We're going to continue next Sunday, and we're going to learn more. And, and this, this is what we're going to learn next week. We're going to continue learning more about you by looking at Jesus and seeing that he was not only an example for us, but of us. Don't miss it. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for the richness of your word that, is, that produces life. 
wherever it is spoken and wherever it is believed. And we have received it this morning. We thank you for your word spoken over our lives that changes our lives and transforms us and shows us who we really are, the beautiful person you made us to be. And we thank you, Father. And I pray that every person hearing this message here today and through the Internet would, would receive the true image of themselves and know they're fearfully and wonderfully made to be your very own child. In Jesus' name, amen. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.